Yeah, so I think especially when you're talking about DEI in the workplace, implicit bias is something that comes up a lot uh, because it's something that uh, it's one of those things that you don't really see. And some folks don't even know um, that they have biases until they do a training and, and it's uncovered. And so mm. what that is, is it's just talking about, um, you know, the areas that you, you don't pay attention to, the areas that you, you prejudge, um, the areas that you don't give. Um, you know, that much um, attention to and, and, and basically things that you, you, you sort of just don't care about or, or you, you look at it as something that uh, is like, oh, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Uh, I don't want to bring that into the organization. I don't want to talk through this because, um, you know, it, it makes me feel uncomfortable, basically. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on, Ballers? And welcome to another episode of the Beyond the Ball podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Jones. And today we have Mr. Thomas Harris with us today. Just, just a brief little snippet uh, about Mr. Harris. Um, like I said, in, in just talking to you personally, I mean, I've, I've definitely just, just been impressed just by your acumen, uh, just by your resume. But the people who may not know, you're your assistant AD for diversity inclusion and engagement. I don't know how I got tongue-tied on that. How are, you, how are you doing today? How are you doing today, Mr. Harris? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, it's just a, another day just trying to get better than yesterday, right? And uh, life is good. I, I, I can't complain. Good, good, good. Good to hear. Good, good to hear. I always can appreciate when somebody, you know, when you keep a positive perspective, because I'm really starting to realize that now more than ever before, that if people don't have that, they really can drag you down, like, absolutely, in a negative way. Like Energy in, is everything. Energy is everything. Definitely. De- de- definitely. So, so now I, I, now I want to pass the ball to you and just give you a chance to just, you know, get, give, a, give a brief snapshot uh, about yourself and, and about some of the work that you do. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, as you said, I, I'm assistant AD for diversity, inclusion, employee engagement with the University of Arizona. Uh, I've been with the University of Arizona Athletics Department for um, a little over four years now. And uh, I came in, uh, in in the marketing department and transitioned to this current position uh, a little over a year ago now. And so uh, to, to bring it back, I'm, I'm originally from Louisville, Kentucky. And um, I went to Western Kentucky University for both my, my graduate and undergraduate degrees uh, in, in sports management and, and sport administration as well. Uh, and so just worked in the athletic department there for a long time before I made my way out here uh, in, in 2016. And so while I was at WKU, on top of working with the athletic department, uh, I also served in a few different roles as a student and then also as a uh, a professional on campus uh, in many diversity-driven roles. Um, in undergrad, I was uh, VP and then eventually president of our Black Student Alliance. Uh, I started our Black Graduate Student Association and then also just served on a few different committees that uh, basically was ran by the president and, and a few other different people to try to further our diversity uh, initiatives within our university. So 
you know, a, a lot of great background, uh, a lot of great things that I was able to do <clears throat> from a DNI perspective at a young age, uh, just wasn't professionally um, as sports was my my sport is, is my background. And so that's what I did professionally. And I did some diversity and inclusion things on the side. And that's kind of where I, I really got my my love for diversity and, you know, reaching across the aisles to to other, uh, you know, BIPOC folks to further our mission to make it better for for BIPOC folks on our campus, which was a predominantly white institution. So uh, a lot of great work was done, uh, you know, in those years. And if there was a position like this, Back then, I probably would have stayed with with this uh, type of direction, but it wasn't. And so I went into the marketing and, and that's kind of how I built my professional resume uh, before I was able to get this this opportunity in this past year. So really excited to, to be doing this work while also still being an athlete. Excellent. Excellent. And then just hearing you um, just talk about the work that you've done just in regards to diversity while you were, you know, while, while you were actually matriculating through college and, and, and undergrad and then graduate. And now, and I think we talked about this offline, <laughs> but I, I just have to go, I just have to go straight for it, Thomas. But, but now I'm just curious to, to hear from you um, now seeing that, well, okay, I, 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 I'll make it about me from my perspective. So I, I've, I've been on LinkedIn. I've done a little bit of scrolling. And I'll just say that two months ago, I didn't see as many people that now have included diversity specialist, diversity leader, diversity inclusion expert. Is it, for, for, for somebody to step into that, is it, is it that easy? And I'm not saying this in regards to you because you've done the work. But sure. is it that easy for someone to to facilitate training or to facilitate uh, work in this particular area, especially regarding uh, BIPOC folk? In my opinion, no, it is not. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think when people use the term diversity expert, uh, I, it rubs me a little bit the wrong way just because this stuff changes daily. And, you know, there's movements that you have to adjust to and there's just so much that goes on. There's so many people that uh, you have to represent, so many people that you have to advocate for, that I think it's hard to be an expert in this field. And that's just me personally, because, um, you know, there's just so much that is unknown and mm -hmm. so much that I tackle on a daily basis that isn't even on my to-do list. You know, mm -hmm. I, I go to work or, you know, obviously I'm working from home now, but, you know, I open my computer and I have a list of things that I'm going to do, but then I get so many emails and text messages and different things of um, different things that we have to address and you know it's just unforeseen a lot of the time and so I think when it comes to just you know implicit bias and just overall diversity in the workplace and how to treat people and different things like that those general themes mm -hmm. uh, I think you know with some research and, and learning you could definitely do those trainings you know, after a while, but as far as like just being someone who just knows everything about everything, uh, I, I don't, I don't believe that to be true uh, for the most part. There's people who have been doing DNI work for years, uh, and you know, it's, some of this stuff is is coming up now, and people have been doing the work for a year or two, and they're experts. That that I think is a a little hard to believe, but. Folks that have been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years, they know their stuff. And, and you know, then I think you've earned the right to, to be called an expert once you cross that. But if you're just now getting into it and it's just something that you've been doing on the side, 
and you're claiming that, I, I'd, I'd have a hard time believing that. And even myself, like I said, I did some of this work as an undergrad, um, but I wouldn't call myself an expert at all. Understood, understood. Now, I want to just rewind, rewind back a little bit because you, because you dropped the term implicit bias for people who may not know what that means. Can you just can you just walk that back for us and just break that down and define it, please, sir? Yeah. So I think especially when you're talking about DEI in the workplace, implicit bias is something that comes up a lot uh, because it's something that uh, it's one of those things that you don't really see. And some folks don't even know um, that they have biases until they do a training and, and it's uncovered. And so mm. what that is, is it's just talking about, um, you know, the areas that you, you don't pay attention to, the areas that you, you prejudge, um, the areas that you don't give, um, you know, that much um, attention to and, and, and basically things that you, you, you sort of just don't care about or, or you, you look at it as something that uh, is like, oh, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Uh, I don't want to bring that into the organization. I don't want to talk through this because. Uh, you know, it, it makes me feel uncomfortable, basically, uh, are some of those mm. things that I, I would, I would, you know, talk through with implicit bias. Gotcha, gotcha. And it okay. comes up a lot, obviously, you know, in my role in, in HR, it comes up a lot when it comes to, um, you know, hiring, recruitment, selection, and all that uh, for, mm-hmm. for staff members. Uh, and it could be for student athletes as well. And it's like, uh, if you're always hiring people who look like you, um, then you have a bias. Uh, if you're not giving folks who look a certain way um, the chance to be a part of your team, there's a bias there. And and those are the things that have to be uncovered through trainings, through education, uh, and different things like that. Mm, okay. Okay. So now, now I want to, I also want to just rewind it back just a little bit more. So you, you, you've been doing this work and then, like you said, initially it was non non-professionally. Um, but how, where did this first start? Like, when did the light bulb get kicked on for you to where you wanted to, to, to go down this path and you wanted to find out more um, and, and just dig deeper in this capacity? Yeah, so it started in, in undergrad when I was vice president of Black Student Alliance. And, you know, I, I was just all about the, you know, trying to make things better for our Black students on the campus. Mm-hmm. And everything was just all about Black folks, all about Black folks. And then I started to realize that we weren't really getting a lot of uh, headway on some of the issues that we wanted to address until we started bringing in other clubs. And so we started working with different marginalized groups and then we formed a bond together and we were able to work together to further our mission and our vision uh, and was able to get more eyes and ears on some of the things that we wanted to get done because we worked together as a collective. And so that was when I found out um, what the term diversity meant. And, you know, I had a, a great mentor to, to kind of help me through what that looked like. And, and it was said, listen, you can still be a champion for black folks on this campus, but mm-hmm. if you work together with other marginalized groups to expand your vision, expand your mission, then it's gonna be better for everyone involved. And so that's when I realized like I can still be a champion for black folks, but I can also be a champion for other folks who've been marginalized against. Uh, and then that's when I kind of had the, the love for diversity and inclusion. Uh, once I realized what that looked like. Yeah. I think that's an amazing point uh, that you just shared, Thomas, just understanding the fact that just, I mean, just like we were talking about before, everybody, people can have their own perspective. People can have their own opinion. People can have their own belief but that doesn't immediately negate somebody else's opinion, belief, or perspective. 
And I, I, I just wanted to highlight that because I think that's something that needs to be brought to the forefront now more than ever, because mm-hmm. I think there's just some things that's, that's getting lost in translation now just due to ignorance always sounds like such a rough word, but I think sure. ignorance goes there. Like I, I think, I think there's, there's, there's a little bit of ignorance that's causing, you know, some rift certain places where otherwise it may not be. Yeah. And I, I'd agree with that. And I've learned to embrace the term ignorance. And once again, that's part mm. of this diversity and inclusion work because you don't know everything. You don't know mm. how to advocate for everyone until you actually sit down with them and learn what they want. Because you know, Latinx folks could want one thing here in Arizona, but they could want another thing uh, at a different school, like say mm-hmm. in the South. Like, so you can't just say, I'm an I'm a expert in uh, Latinx uh, culture or in Latinx, uh, how to advocate for Latinx folks, because you don't know what it's like in other places. And mm-hmm. so when I'm meeting with these groups, because one of the biggest things that uh, I, I enjoy about my job is, is working with the different groups on campus, the cultural centers, the community councils, the diversity councils. And, you know, in conversation, I'll just say, hey, listen, this could be my ignorance, but does this apply Mm -hmm. to X, Y, and Z? Or this could be my ignorance, but I thought you all like this, you know? And so I embrace that because once again, we don't know everything and it's going to be hard to know everything because no group is the same. Mm. Yeah, I like you saying that you you embrace ignorance because I saw a tweet. I'm not sure how long ago it was, but ultimately I saw a tweet um, and it, it was from somebody who, uh, who, who, is, who is Caucasian, and they, they shared that ultimately we have to accept that we're going to get some things wrong, but ultimately we have to get started doing something because if, if we don't do something, then we won't know what we're doing right. We won't know what we're doing wrong. We won't be able to make progress because we'll be stagnant. I agree. I agree. And it's, it's all about the, the unlearning as well. Like I, mm. I think a lot of times, you know, especially now in this movement, uh, black folks are telling, you know, their, their white counterparts, like, listen, these are just things that you just have to unlearn. Like you're starting to see more and more people who just say, Hey, I just didn't see it this way, or I didn't know these things happened. Um, and you know, I was a part of this problem because I didn't know it was a problem. And so we're asking folks to unlearn things. And I think everyone has to do that, um, you know, for, for something, when it comes to DI work. Certainly, certainly. And and now I think, or now just seeing a, across my timeline and Instagram, and it seems like this generation of student athletes have had enough. Like this generation of student athletes, because I mean, this is, this I believe this is, this is tail end of millennial, and I believe it's, it's tapping towards the, towards generation X. And one thing, I've seen about this generation is, first of all, they're they're more of a show me, don't tell me generation, and they want action, and they want action now. What like what do you think? What what do you think about that, Thomas? Just as I I know you've seen it on timeline as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this this Gen Z um, generation, they are all about action. They are all about don't tell me, show me. Uh, and you know that students and student athletes alike as well and so it, it's one of those things that I'm telling our coaches is like listen we, you have to know about these issues you have to mm. stay abreast on what's going on because the people that you, your student athletes and your prospective student athletes are looking up to are activists in their own right uh, you know you hear the story about Beyonce 
uh, sitting down in a boardroom, not seeing anyone who looked like her. She got up and left and was like, I don't want to, I don't want my business to be here because you don't have anyone at this table who looks like me. Mm. Uh, those types of, uh, you know, folks are looking up to Beyonce. And if she can stand for that, then I can stand for something that's on my level as well. And wow. so we're not going to be able to just, you know, put, put a, a veil over their eyes anymore. They, they are in tune with what's going on in this world and what's wrong with this world. And they want to be a part of helping change that. And if you're not with them, they're not coming to your school. And Ooh. so, you know, we have to really give them space to have these conversations, to be activists, to use their voices, uh, and, and to, to make our campuses a better place. And if you're not open to that, then you're in the wrong business. Um, but mm. you know, the, these next couple of years, there's going to be so much pressure put on, uh, different schools and, and different organizations because these folks, they're not playing, they're here to stay and, and they're serious about it. And I love it. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> it's like, I, I want to sit down with all the, the student athletes that want to have these conversations and just listen. Like I, I will turn my camera on mute and just listen and take notes. Uh, and then just say, okay, well, what can I do to help you? because that's all they want to hear like they they have these they have these visions they have these ideas and you know so execution is is something that some of them need help with and that's what we need to be doing uh, is figuring out ways that we can execute their ideas and giving them platforms to use their voices and uh, it, it's it's been it's been a um a, a wild ride to see it on my timeline and to see it in real time with some of our student athletes and i'm just excited about the future Man, man. So how so how do we create la lasting long term change? Because Thomas, you're you're in the department, so you so you've seen so much more than I've seen. And mm -hmm. when it just comes down to the fact that yes, that people are having uh, diversity and inclusion panels, even though nobody black may be on the panel. Yes, people <laughs> are having these conversations, and they're they're having programming, and they're doing all these things. Like, like they may, they may be doing surface level things. They may be going deeper, but how do we create long lasting change just going through the midst of where we are right now as a country? Yeah, it's, it starts with systemic change. And so there's so many performative elements out there these days that corporations and schools are doing. Uh, and, you know, they're painting Black Lives Matter on the street or they're putting different decals on backpacks and, um, you know, all these different performative elements, they're cool, but what are you doing to, to create this lasting change that you're speaking of? And it starts systemically. And so uh, I led the charge with, with our university to come up with a plan called Commitment to the Culture. Mm. And in that plan are just different initiatives that hit on ways that we can make sure that we're being anti-racist as a department. We're eliminating um, as much as we can implicit bias. Uh, and we're creating safe spaces for our student athletes. And so what that looks like is representation. Like, what are we doing on the hiring front to make our department more diverse, more inclusive, and, and more representative of what our student athletes look like? Uh, what, what are the relationships with our campus partners, whether that be diversity councils, the cultural centers, the resource centers on our campuses? Are you working with them? What are we doing in our communities? The community service aspect, when we talk about representation, we talk about what, what our staff looks like versus our student athletes, but also uh, it means so much to some of these kids in these marginalized communities to see student athletes who look like them doing service in their community because then they see, oh, if this person who looks like me made it, I can make it too. Uh, and so making sure that we're in our communities doing different things as well is important. 
uh, and then also the representation on executive leadership teams. So, you know, what does, you know, your AD down to your head coaches, to your senior leadership team, what do they look like? Are they diverse? Do they represent your, your student athletes? Uh, do you have different voices, you know, on those teams that are going to create lasting change uh, to make sure all the stuff that we come up with is, is executed, you know, for years down the line. So it, it starts with systemic change. If you don't start at the root of everything or the top, however you want to look at it, uh, nothing's really going to be a lasting change. Like I, I want to put things in, in, uh, in perspective in, in queue for, you know, if we lose our AD tomorrow, but we still have these programs that, wow. you know, that he okayed and, and, and that we've been working on. That's, that's how you create that lasting change. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I think just under, understanding that, just, just the way that you, you set that up, like if, if the AD is gone, then, then that means ultimately that everybody through and through has to understand the culture and it truly has to be ingrained mm-hmm. and, and truly, uh, I guess, accepted or, or taken on by the people who are in there. If not, then, then we'll be able to identify where's the weak link and we identify if something, you know, something isn't up to snuff. Absolutely. And, and that's one of those things that you see a lot of folks are doing, you know, diversity councils and inclusion councils and th- different things like that. And we have one in Arizona, we call it the Inclusive Excellence Council. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's where it starts. So, so there's, there's hierarchy as far as like positions and, and diversity of ideas and different things within that committee where you know we can create lasting change because we have coordinators we have assistant directors we have assistant athletic directors we have senior associate athletic directors we have assistant coaches uh, we have mental health members on the staff so there's so many different people who impact so many different departments in in our overall department um, that can create change just for their department that's going to be big for our entire department and Mm -hmm. so what that does is um, you know, there's something that was created by our mental health counselor who happens to be on our inclusive excellence council, but it's something that's going to be uh, in our sports psychology department for years to come. Uh, so not only does it impact her unit, but it also impacts our entire department. Uh, and so when you're building these councils, it can't all just be folks who are on the external side or all just folks who are mid-level managers. You have to have a hierarchy of leadership to make sure that we're able to implement some of these ideas and execute them as well and be able to take them to your athletic director to make sure it gets done. Wow. Wow. So I, I, I love just, just, just in our, in our conversation offline and and even our dialogue here, like I love how, how you're really about this mission and, and not just people that necessarily look like you, but people who, who don't look like you, people have different perspectives, unlike you and, and everything else like that. So I'm just curious, like long term, where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself still in this space or like, do you, I don't, I'm not going to say running for the president, but I, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm yeah. just curious. I'm curious. No, for sure. And, 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 and I would say that, you know, my story's unwritten and, and who knows really, I, I don't think mm-hmm. I have aspirations to be, an athletic director, but uh, I do think that college athletics is my lane. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've had, I've, I've been able to dip my toes in some DI with higher education. And I don't know if that's for me, um, but, you know, staying in the college athletics lane somehow, I, I think is, is, is where, um, you know, my future lies, but, you know, who knows? We'll see. 
but I just want to be in a position where I can create lasting change wherever mm -hmm. I'm at uh, and be able to have a voice in long-term decision-making processes. And as long as I'm able to do that, I'm, I'm good wherever I am. Um, but just want to be able to use, you know, my platform and, and, and my knowledge and the things that I've learned and experienced to make the partners better. That's, that's all, that's my goal. So whatever that looks like in the future, I'm open to it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And then here it, it was, what, what was it a few months ago or was it a month ago that, you know, you, you, you embarked and were, were a part of something, something that, you know, that, that is, that is assisting in that. Can you, can you talk about that? I don't want to mispronounce the name. No, so, for sure. <laughs> I just forgot it. I know you told me, but I just forgot it. No, it's all good. Yeah. So about a month ago, um, myself and a few other DI uh, practitioners within the college athletic space created a, a nonprofit organization uh, called DICE, which is uh, the Diversity, uh, Inclusion, and Equity Council of Excellence. Mm. And so the, the overall mission for that is to just have a home for folks who are doing DEI within college athletics. Uh, because when we first started it, it was the underground type of organization. We've been meeting offline for, for over a year now. Uh, mm. And it started out, there was maybe six of us, I think, when we first started, and it's grown since then. And now these uh, these titles like mine are just popping up all over the place. Uh, and then there's also this uh, NCAA uh, ADID designation uh, mm -hmm. for every school has to have a diversity inclusion contact person. That's what that is. And so once we knew that was coming, we knew that we had to take this you know, broad and, and mainstream and be able to provide a place for folks who do work like me uh, and the rest of the board directors to have a place to kind of talk through best practices, talk through frustrations, mm -hmm. talk through hurdles, uh, and then just further this mission to make sure that college athletics uh, will be diversified through through the years. Uh, because there's a diversity issue in, in almost every um, set of positions within college athletics, starting from athletic directors, starting from coaches, all the way down. And so we, we want to make sure that we're providing that platform for folks who are doing this work to be able to share ideas, but also further that mission to diversify college athletics through the years. And so uh, we're really excited about that, the public launch of that. We're just getting started, so we're going to take it slow for sure. But um, we're, we're thankful for, you know, all the feedback and all the, the uh, positivity that we've received, and we're looking forward to the future and hoping that we can create lasting change in, in college athletics. Definitely. I'm excited uh, just for you all as well. I mean, I like the logo. The logo looks really good. And then, I mean, I checked out the yeah. website. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to my guy, Mike Baldwin. Man. He's, he's one of the greatest uh, graphic designers I've ever met. And uh, he, he was able to, to hook us up with that logo. So we're appreciative of, of the work he did for us. Very nice. Very nice. So if somebody wants to find out more, more information about DICE, where, where would they need to go or, or how, would they, how would they need to go about doing that? Yes, you can go to, to uh, DiceAthletics.com, find out more about there. You can um, submit to, to be a member through the website. And, uh, you know, this year it, it's going to be uh, free for everyone until September of 2021. And then there will be some membership dues, uh, you know, in, in September 2021. But right now it's open to, to pretty much any and everyone, obviously, with the focus on people who do diversity and inclusion work within the college athletic space. Um, but, you know, in our first meeting, we had a few folks that are in the private sector and there's just a lot of people who just want to learn more uh, about DEI in the workplace. So 
we're open to everyone uh, as of right now. Um, but like I said, DiceAthletics.com. You can follow us on, on Twitter at DiceAthletics as well. Um, and um, yeah, join the movement. Excellent, excellent. I'm gonna start pumping that now. I, I was talking. To, I was on the phone with somebody just the other day, and they were talking about how 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 they're they're in they're in the um, the the diversity chair per se. I, I don't know the specific titles. I know it varies at universities. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were saying that they're trying to navigate through this space and trying to make sure that they have the resources and tools they need. So I'm gonna actually get them connected today. Yeah, yeah we appreciate that because you know, and and there's a few of us there are two or three people on the board of directors that were doing the work before me professionally, you know, had the title. Uh, and so we all just have a range of experience that we can help with, but then there's also folks who will help, uh, who will join that will also be able to be a resource for, for people who are just now getting into this work. So, um, it's not going to be one, one of those things where the board of directors are the only people trying to teach and educate. Like it's going to be a collective family thing. And um, like I said, we're taking it one step at a time, going slow with the vision. So we're, but we're excited about what's to come. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I already, I already follow the Dice Twitter page, but I'm, I'm definitely gonna follow a little bit more closely now, and just, yeah. just, 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 just see, see as you uh, continue to, you know, roll out things, continue to do impactful work, and just continue to move the mission, continue yeah. to move the mission forward. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. So, so now, now, Thomas, where we are in this part of this show. Like I told you before, I said, this is the part where we do the two-minute drill, okay? And, and the two-minute drill is just where I'm going to just run through a few rapid-fire questions and then uh, just have, have a little bit of fun. Then after that, we're going to tie a bow, put a ribbon on it, and then we'll call it a day. So are, good you, to me. are you ready? Let's do it. All right. And go. Favorite food? Pizza. What kind of pizza? Pepperoni. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Uh, your your favorite Netflix show of preference? Quarantine Netflix show of preference? Oh, that's hard. Um, I'll say Ozark. That's on my mind, but I've watched so many. Fair Ozark. enough. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, what's what's the last book you read? Um, why are all the black kids sitting together at the cafeteria? Ah, wow. Yeah. That's that's a true statement in the title. Um, <laughs> 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 and uh, what what what? Tongue tie. What, what's your favorite podcast? Uh, Joe Budden podcast. Mm, okay, okay. And then last question is: What's one tip that you would give to a student athlete? Oh, um, use your platform, uh, and and that could mean many things. If uh, if you want to jump in the activism space, do that. Uh, if you want to focus on community service do that uh, but you have so much power uh, as a student athlete and uh, using your platform for for positive things uh, and to create change I, I think is the, the best thing that you can do as a student athlete. Boom there, there it is there it is you successfully made it through the two-minute drill now this is just a bonus question but <laughs> <laughs> but who who is someone that you would like to see interviewed on the Beyond the Ball podcast next? Oh, there's so many people. Um, I'll just name w- one of my, my board of directors, uh, Sheridan Blanford, who is right. at uh, uh, Wisconsin. And she's awesome. She's, she's someone that uh, I knew had this role before me. And I reached out to her at the inclusion, the NCAA inclusion forum a couple of years back. And uh, she, she was the one, she's a co-founder of Dykes. 
Uh, so mm. her and Dewan Baker at Nebraska both are excellent and are very knowledge, knowledgeable in this space. Uh, and I think both of them have really good stories, former student athletes and just doing really great work in, in the spaces that they're in. So Sheridan Blanford, Dewan Baker. Sorry, that's two. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. You're fine. I, and <laughs> I, I, I talked to Dewan like probably the start of Quentin. I, I need to, I need to get him when I interview and then I might, yeah. I might need you to just facilitate the, the, the hookup, the connection. Um, sure. So we, we definitely can make that happen. Now I just want to just give you the opportunity just to let people know where they can, where they can find you, where they can follow you and how they can connect with you uh, and resources or whatever you'd like to share at this time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, my, my email address is tharris1 at arizona.edu. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at t harris underscore three the number three and uh yeah and i'm also on linkedin just you know thomas harris whatever so feel free to reach out i'm happy to help i talked to a lot of different folks um throughout this this past year and even two years uh, about everything that we're doing at the university of arizona so uh, i love to share and love to to help any way i can so uh, and collaborate as well so feel free to reach out Excellent. Excellent. There it is. There it is. Well, I, I definitely appreciate you uh, gracing the Beyond the Ball podcast with, with your presence, Mr. Harris. Uh, learned, learned a lot. Learned, learned a lot in addition to our cause, like extras, like bonus. But uh, yeah. And so I, I, I thank you. Thank you for being on. Thank you for taking the time. And everybody out there, all the ballers out there, if you're, if you're listening, we'd encourage you uh, to take the time and make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and share it with one friend that that you know needs to hear this episode. And I'm Jonathan Jones, and we're going to go ahead and close it out. And this is Beyond the Ball.